recorded at the Vanamali Gita Yogashram, Rishikesh, North India, situated on the banks of the holy river Ganga, at the foothills of the Himalayas. This is the sixth talk in the series and is on the fifth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. It is entitled Karma Sanyasa Yoga or the Yoga of renunciation in action. Manasa buddhya kevalairindri airabhi 
योगिन कर्म कुरे संगम चुद्ध युक्त कर्म फल शांति नैशिकुक्त काम कारेण फले सको निभद्यते मनसा संयस्यास्ते नवद्वारे पुरे देही नकर्माणी प्रभु फल संयोग स्वभावस्तु प्रवर्तते नादत्ते पापम न चुदम विभु प्रकाशयदात्मनः गच्छन्त्यपुनरावृत्ति ज्ञान निर्धूदकमशा विद्यासंपन्ने ब्राह्मणे गिहस्तिनी शुनिश्चवागे चंडिता सदर्शिनर्जितसर्गो तेषादम मन निर्दोषं हि सम ब्रह्मा तस्मा ब्रह्मणि ते स्थिता ृष्येत्रियंप्यूदुजेत्रापचाप्रियंस्पर्शेस्वसक्तात्मांदल्यात्मनीयत्सुखम्रह्मयोगयुक्तात्मा ृष्यक्षीणकृष्णोदीहैवयोड़ी लभंदे ब्रह्म निर्वाणम ऋषयक्षीणकमशाद्वैदाचेदीनाचेदसाभिदोब्रह्मदात्म स्पर्शाचुश्चवाणाताभ्यंतरचारिणेन्द्रियमनोबुद्धिर्मुनिमोक्षपरायणेक्षाभयक्रोधो यदा मुक्त सोक्तामसाकमहेशर सुहृदम सर्वूता शांति मृच्छेदीमद्भगवद्गीतासुपनिषत्सु ब्रह्म विद्यायाम श्रीकृष्णाजुन संवाद 
कर्मसन्यासयोगो नाम पंचमोध्याय चक्रधरम देवम कृष्णम वंदे जगदगुरुम टू लॉर्ड कृष्णा एडॉन्ड विद द मार्क द श्रीवत्सा वेयरिंग द गार्लैंड ऑफ वाइल्ड फ्लावर्स वनमाला वील्डिंग द कंक एंड डिस्कस टू हिम who is the preceptor of the universe i offer my obeisance in the previous chapter lord krishna has detailed the life of the karma yogi whose every action is a sort of inaction because of the knowledge he possesses so the difference between the doer of karma and the karma yogi is in the amount of knowledge possessed by him by which he acts it is the vikarma or attitude of the mind which converts the action into inaction and produces a karma yogi the purifying power of this knowledge has reduced his action to ashes so though he acts he is not bound by his actions arjuna's doubts and fears about the sanctity of this dreadful action he has been called upon to do arises from his ignorance his doubts and fears arise from a lack of knowledge about the nature of action and the method of how the law of karma works so lord krishna tells him to cut this ignorance with the sword of knowledge and become a karma yogi and perform the work on hand but arjuna is still confused because the belief of the age was that asceticism was superior to action in fact this belief exists to the present age and has led to much of the lack of initiative on the part of the indian people so arjuna repeats the question as to who truly is the best yogi the karma yogi or the sanyasi lord krishna once again vehemently asserts that though the yoga of renunciation or sanyas and the yoga of action karma yoga both lead to the same goal yet of the two the latter is to be preferred it has already been pointed out that inaction is an impossibility so if sanyas is misunderstood as the renunciation of action this would be a practical impossibility so what is sanyas actually 
It is the renunciation of the fruits of action. It is the renunciation of the mental craving for objects, renunciation of the mental attachment and desire for worldly possessions. Without this mental qualification, the external renunciation is mere hypocrisy. It is not our possessions that bind us, but our mind which ties us to these possessions. A man may renounce his whole family and possessions and go to a cave in the Himalayas and sit there immobile. Yet, if he is fiercely possessive of the one little pot and loin cloth he owns, he is no sannyasi. He has forsaken his home and relations, yet clings to the cave he sits in and burns with jealousy at the fame which comes to the sannyasi in the cave next to him. So possessiveness is a quality of the mind and it does not depend on the number of possessions you own. A hundred rupee note is equal in value to a hundred one rupee notes. By reducing one's possessions, one does not necessarily reduce one's possessiveness. Sannyas without inner renunciation is no sannyas at all. Moreover, it is most difficult for the normal human being and that is why Lord Krishna says karma yoga is superior to karma sannyas. The former is both the way and the end, while the latter is the end alone. The path of karma yoga has already been marked out. It is the state of inaction in action. Though the karma yogi acts, he does not act at all, nor is he bound by the results of his actions, since he does it with the attitude that the Lord is the doer and he is only the instrument, and the fruits are dedicated to the Lord himself. This is a far easier path to practice and if practiced with faith and diligence, it will ultimately lead to the glorious state of karma sannyas, which is a most holy and exalted state. If karma yoga is doing nothing, even though working 24 hours a day, karma sannyas is doing everything while not working, even for a minute. The example for the former is the son who works ceaselessly throughout the 24 hours, yet is untired and oblivious of the output of work he is doing. The second is the Lord Vishnu, who is described as Shantakaram, Bhujagashainam, 
Padmanabam Suresham Vishwadharam. The Lord is pictured as lying in yogic trance on the still cosmic waters, relaxed on the coiled up serpent of his mighty power. And though he does nothing, yet it is because of him that the entire universe moves and lives and has its being. The one is silence in speech and the other is speech in silence. The mother is angry with her child and she refuses to speak to him. Physically she is silent but the effect on the child is devastating. The karma yogi, yogi is inaction, inaction, and karma sannyas is action in inaction. Both these states are rare and exalted. The idea of sannyas in itself is most holy and beautiful. It is pure poetry. It is the highest point reached by man's intellect. His physical flight to the planets is nothing compared to this conception of his mind. It is India's great contribution to mankind to act and yet to be as if one does not act, to remain silent and yet to make the very worlds revolve. A perfect karma yogi or a perfect karma sannyasi would perhaps be impossible to find in the human body. Maybe that is why the Lord takes avatars in order to show the perfection of the two. The avatar of Naranarayana is that of the perfect karma sannyasi and that of Krishna himself the perfect karma yogi. Both types of yoga are alike since the end is the same. A wheel in fast motion appears immobile. This is the state of the karma yogi which is also the state of the karma sannyasi. But the practical value of karma yoga is higher for it is easier to practice. When someone is angry with us, he can shout and berate us, or he can remain silent, which is more effective. In that silence is packed a tremendous power which can produce a burst of activity in us. This is the state of the karma sannyasi in whose silence the whole of knowledge is revealed. But it is indeed the path of the razor's edge, for the mind is weak and we cannot know when it will drag us down. The karma yogi, on the other hand, even though performing all actions, thinks he is not the doer. Even while doing actions like seeing, hearing, touching, 
smelling, eating, sleeping, breathing, speaking, and attending to the calls of nature, blinking, etc. He knows that he does nothing at all, and it's only the sense organs acting on the sense objects. Such a man is untouched by the binding effect of his karma, like the lotus leaf in the water. The lotus has always been the symbol of purity in India. The Indian poet is never tired of admiring the purity of the lotus, which is born out of the dirt and slime of the pond, and yet raises itself above the murky waters and opens its face to the dazzling brilliance of the sun above. So also, they say, can the mind of man, though born from the seething passions of an animal heritage, yet shake off these muddy roots and raise up to the sunshine of pure knowledge. The karma yogi performs action through the medium of the body alone for the sake of self-purification and thus attains peace. He resides happily in the city of the nine gates, says the Lord. This city is the human body, which has nine orifices. He neither does anything nor causes anything to be done. The darkness and suffering of the lower nature is washed away by the cleansing waters of knowledge. The result is a perfect equality to all things and persons. The Gita attaches immense importance to the notion of equality. This is because of its stress on action. The withdrawn, silent sage sitting in the fastness of his mountain cave, may be desireless and impersonal and full of bliss, but he has no need for equality. Only when he comes into the workaday world of action can his superiority be tested, and the test of his greatness is the amount of equality he can show in his dealings with the world. True knowledge is the consciousness of the unity with the one and re in relation with the different beings of this universe. It must show itself as an equal oneness with all. For the wise, a learned Brahmin, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog-eater, or outcast, are all the same, says the Lord. This is indeed a revolutionary statement to make in any age, even in this one, which proclaims to be classless, yet is most class-conscious. But in that age, it was 
indeed only a god who could dare to declare that a yogi would make no differentiation between a learned brahmin and an outcast such is the wide angled vision of the lord of the gita who preached a spiritual communism which cannot become fully comprehended even by the modern mind such a man in this life itself has conquered the limitations of this world of sense relationship and is a god man for he lives ever in that faultless brahman said the lord the gita is not guilty of offering the doubtful bait of a glorious heaven after death to be given as a prize for those who live a good life while on this earth it discards such type of childish prattle as being unworthy of a gift to its master man instead she insists that heaven if there be one must be found on earth itself or rather the earth with all its dualities and limitations shall and can be converted into a veritable heaven for him who knows the brahman such a man who is yoked to the supreme brahman who is the source of unalloyed bliss himself enjoys unalloyed bliss even while living in this world of superficial sorrows this bliss has to be gained and can be gained in its entirety even while inhabiting this body prakshirira vimokshanad it is not some illusory heaven to be gained after death he should not be misled to believe the claims of popular religion that full release will come only after shedding this mortal coils a perfect spiritual freedom is to be won here on earth and possessed and enjoyed in this human life such a yet yadi or rishi achieves the state known as brahma nirvana this nirvana should not be confused with the nirvana of the buddhists which is a negative state this nirvana is compatible with world consciousness and action in the world for the sages who possess it are ever conscious of the divine and always engaged in works for the good of the world they have not renounced action but divinized it action in the world is not inconsistent with living in brahman but is an inevitable condition of it 
because the Brahman in whom we find Nirvana is not only within us but within all these existences, exists not only above them but pervades and contains them. So Nirvana in Brahman is only a destruction of the limited ego and an entry into the unifying consciousness. Nirvana, when we gain it, is not only within us, but all around us. Brahman is not only the supreme self of our individual being, but also the supreme self of the universe, the self of all existences. Thus, the Karma Yoga of the Gita is not socialism or humanitarianism or patriotism or any of the hundred other isms which attract the modern mind. It is not the rule of a large moral and intellectual altruism which is advocated here, but that of a spiritual unity with God and therefore with the world of creatures who dwell in him and in whom he resides. It is a no, not an order to subordinate the individual to society or humanity, but to fulfill the individual in the highest reality within himself and sacrifice the ego on the one true altar of an all-embracing divinity. Patriotism, humanitarianism, and the other ideas of everyday religion are all admirable aids to our escape from our egoistic attachments to self, family, society, nation, etc. But the Gita moves on a higher plane of existence. The modern social tendency has been to subordinate the individual to the society. But the Gita's first aim is the development of the individual in order to help him to discover the largest spiritual existence within himself. This was the first great charter of the ideal human being as given by the ancient Vedic sages. To exceed his individuality was their goal for the individual, not by losing his personal aims in the aims of the society, but by enlarging himself into the consciousness of a Godhead within himself as well as in the entire cosmos, making of him not merely a citizen of the world, but a denizen of the cosmos. To exalt oneself out of the bonds of a lower nature into the unity and perfect freedom with the divine within ourselves. 
This is the object of yoga and the object of life. In the next two verses, 27 and 28, there is a slight deviation from the main topic and a hint as to what is to come in the sixth chapter. The practical yoga or Raja Yoga technique is given where the yogi sits in meditation with his attention fixed on the Atmya Chakra between the eyebrows and practices Pranayama or breath control and thus regulating his breath and controlling his mind and senses he attains the Brahmic state. The rate of breathing has a great deal to do with the control of the mind. The yogi's breath is always calm and even. Our, when our breath is even, we cannot remain angry. When the breath is agitated, the mind is also agitated. Conversely, when one wants to concentrate on something, one holds one's breath. So the yogi who is desirous of uniting himself with the Supreme is asked to practice pranayama or the science of breath control and meditate on the Supreme, fixing his inner gaze on the psychic center between the brows. This instruction is given as a special aid to overcome the outward-going tendency of the mind. In the last verse, once more, the central idea of the Gita is postulated of a Brahman who is not merely an impersonal witness but of the Purushottama who is the enjoyer of all actions done as a sacrifice. The mighty Lord of the universe yet the friend of all creatures. The divine who is there as the one self is present in the world as all existences, in all activities, master of both silence and action, or power and peace, incarnated now as the divine charioteer of Arjuna. He is the enjoyer of all austerities and sacrifices. Therefore should the yogi do works as a yatnya to him. He is the lord of all works. So shall the yogi do works for the correct upholding of dharma in the world. He is the friend of all creatures. Therefore should the yogi 
be ever engaged with the good of all creatures. Even though he has gained the nirvana of bliss within him, yet he is capable of divine love for man and service for him because of his love for the divine. This is the superiority of the Gita over the Advaitic texts. It postulates a God which is not, who is not merely imperturbable and unpenetrable, but who is a pulsating, intimate re reality of the Purushottama, seated within the heart of all. Man's only relation, friend and beloved of all creatures, to whom all actions should be offered as a yetna. We worship many gods in our life in order to attain happiness, money, power, security, etc. For the sake of these gods, we are willing to sacrifice many things. We sacrifice our sleep to make money, our money to gain power, and our power to gain comfort and security and happiness. So many countless actions are done from morn till night for the duration of a whole lifetime in order to propitiate these gods. And all these actions but help to bind us further into the very rut we are trying to escape from. The root cause of all this vain activity is ignorance, ignorance of the purpose of human life and ignorance of the nature of the divine who alone is the instigator of all actions and the enjoyer of all their fruits. Ignorance also of the fact that though he is the mighty Lord of the universe, Sarvaloga Maheshwaram, yet he is the sole friend and benefactor of humankind. Once this knowledge has been gained, all actions will be automatically dedicated to him. All things will be done by him for him and through him, the human body being merely an instrument, and thus the culmination of both karma sannyas and karma yoga will be achieved. For in essence, both are one and the same. Such a yogi immediately achieves the peace the power and the security which others are striving for without the least effort. 
ഭോക്താരം യജ്ഞതപസാം സർവലോകമഹേശ്വരൻ സുഹൃതം സർവഭൂതാനാം ജ്ഞാത്വാ മാം ശാന്തി മൃച്ചിതി ഫോർ ഐ എം ദി എൻജോയർ ഓഫ് ഓൾ സാക്രിഫൈസസ് ആൻഡ് ഓസ്റ്റെറിറ്റീസ് ദ ഗ്രേറ്റ് ലോഡ് റൂലിംഗ് ഓവർ ഓൾ ദ വേൾഡ്സ് ആൻഡ് ഓൾസോ ദ ഫ്രണ്ട് ഓഫ് ഓൾ ബീങ്സ് വൺ ഹു റിയലൈസസ് മീ attains supreme beatitude hari om tat sat om asadoma sadgamaya tamasoma jyotirgamaya mrityorma amritam gamaya om shanti 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 from the unreal lead me to the real from darkness to light and from death to immortality om Peace, peace, peace. Let there be peace within our own minds. Let there be peace in the environment. And let there be peace in the whole world.